Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of the individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Vita. I'm Vita. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Thanks for asking me to speak, Michelle. I got here like two minutes before the meeting started. I was like, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Um, Just coming from the east side. um, And I'm still really grateful to to be here through LA traffic. Um, I have been in OA in May. It will be 10 years which is kind of crazy. Um, I don't think I've done anything else besides be alive for at least 10 years. And um, it's a miracle for me to like have committed myself to something for that amount of time. Um, I have been abstinent for a little over eight years. My bottom line abstinence is that I don't intentionally starve, I don't throw up, and I don't have the five or 10,000 calorie binges, which I had like every single day when I was at my bottom. Um, and that was like the best that I could do in life was to do all of those three things at the same time in some combination. It was just insanity and imperfectly one day at a time, I get to not live that way, which is just a miracle of the program. Um, and yes, welcome to the newcomers and the people taking chips and Peter, we've been like neck and neck the whole time. (laughs) Um, it's an honor to be taking candles with you. And, um, yeah, Uh, I like, I think like the last time I shared at this meeting, I said how previously I'd been like obsessed with sharing at this meeting. And then, um, like I remember when I had like a year Um, a fellow who also had a year, like, shared the meeting, and I was, like, steaming, how can I get to share the meeting? And then last year, I was, like, it just kind of feels like another meeting. Um, And this year, like, I did not want to share this meeting. I didn't want to share, and I was kind of scheming, like, how I could get out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I really hurt my back, and I'm like, well, can I say I can't stand for that long? And I'm like, well, I've been doing four-mile hikes, so I probably can't say I can't stand for that long. Um, But, like, I didn't tell my sponsees I was speaking here to like a couple days ago just because I didn't want to like do it I didn't want to do it and um that is like a progression for me obviously but it also is because like I am in a very new place in my life in my OA program um and it just feels like messy and vulnerable and unsettled um I don't have like all the answers. I don't have clarity around a lot of things. And it's harder for me me to share from that place than it is when like I've been doing what I'm doing for years and it's whatever, it's working and my life is, you know, whatever, I'm used to it. Um, And it's not that way right now. So, you know, I, I talked about it with my sponsor, obviously, and like people I trust in the rooms. And always the solution for me is to just like show up and live my life um and that was not something that was available to me when I was in my disease I was either like showing up what I thought 
was perfect or I did not show up at all. And I'll talk more about what that looked like, but um, God, I, like, I feel so imperfect today in so many ways, and I've grown in so many ways, you know, that when I felt maybe I was doing something perfectly, like, I didn't even have a conception of. Um, so for anyone listening or anyone in the room who's, like, struggling with life or with recovery or with anything, um, what I am starting to come to understand is, like, all of it is just part of the recovery process. And um, I don't get to decide what that looks like, but if I keep coming back, I will keep deepening in my ability to show up through what life brings me and in my relationship with a higher power and just like my, the, like the experience of life that I, that I get to embody in recovery. Um, so I will do like the what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. I like... I, I definitely was born an addict. Um, my first memories, like a lot of us, are about food. Like, that is what I remember. A lot around, like, birthday cakes, which I'm allergic to gluten and dairy, and I have been basically my whole life. And so in the 90s, like, gluten and dairy-free birthday cakes were kind of gross. And I'm still, those are my first memories, are like that. Um, and... You know, I, I like, I knew that food soothed me. And through a lot of outside work, I think, like, I know when I was in the womb, my mom was told that I had a very low chance of survival. My parents had me much later in life. Um, my mom was 42 and my dad was 50 when I was born. And um, in the 80s, like, having a child in your 40s was not normal, not common. Um, and the doctor that told them that said if I did survive, that I would be severely handicapped physically, you know, mentally, developmentally. Um, and my mom really shut down, understandably, emotionally. And I feel like that was the first time that, like, I had this experience of, like, the love that I need in the world being taken away from me. Um, my safe, my sense of safety being taken away from me. And I think, like, just all the stress hormones in her body, like, I came out kind of just, like, in a, in a state of stress, in a state of, like, high cortisol. Um, and I really feel like that was just how I learned to cope with that sense of duress from a really young age is, like, soothing myself with food. Um and I didn't recognize in the beginning of my recovery that I also have the disease of anorexia. I am not, like, just a restrictor um, like I thought I was. I don't know that I believe there's really a difference between restriction and anorexia at this point. I think it's just, like, a version of the same thing. Um, and, again, these are just, like, my opinions, and everyone gets to have their own experience. But... Um, I started starving myself when I was 12 years old. So to me, like, that is not a normal reaction to life as a 12-year-old. And um, this disease is cunning, baffling, powerful. And so in recovery, like, I for a long time did not identify as an anorexic because I was not good enough in my mind at starving myself to qualify as an anorexic. Um, 
and and my opinion of like what anorexia looks like is is really changed um particularly over the last year but I just grew up like not knowing how to feel okay and and trying to like numb myself either you know most of the time through eating but some of the time through deprivation also just like trying not to feel because I didn't know how to deal with my feelings and the kind of funny thing not really funny but kind of funny thing about that is that like my parents are both therapists and like I don't know how to feel my feelings (laughs) um and they sent me to like a really alternative school where like we didn't really learn traditional things we learned how to like problem solve in a you know, elementary school, early until first grade, we learned to problem solve and, like, discuss our feelings. And I just completely shut down because I just didn't understand how to relate to life. I didn't understand how to relate to other people. My idea of, like, the world in my home that felt, like, very safe and nourishing, it, like, it went away when I went outside of my home. And my response to that was to just shut down. And I think I was very depressed by the time I was seven years old, which most, like, six- or seven-year-olds are, like, playing and joyful, and I was shut down and depressed. Um, And so to this day, like, when life doesn't feel safe, I have to work against that response, which is, like, I understand the trauma response, to just shut down. And, like, that is, like, a freeze response, you know, to just not deal. Um, And as I went through school... Um, like, I, my identity became, like, my performance, basically. Like, I didn't have an identity outside of that. And I, I didn't feel loved outside of my home. I didn't feel accepted. And so I found that, like, I could get validation through my academic performance, and I excelled quite a bit until, um, I'm also sober, and until my, like, addiction and my eating disorder really took over at the end of high school and I I honestly don't really know how I graduated I I mean I was smart so that's how I graduated but like I was not really going to school my last year of high school um I I completed the work at home but and they let me graduate but um while I was doing that like I was telling my parents I was sick And I was actually, like, binge eating and smoking weed and just, like, numbing out life. And I didn't know how to do anything different than that. I would literally, like, lock myself in my bathroom and tell them I was, like, really sick and couldn't come out. Um, And that was literally the best I knew how to do with, you know, with dealing with life. I just... You know, this is, like, something they say in another fellowship that I'm in, but I just felt unwanted, unloved, and alone. That is, like, my baseline as a human. Growing up, I grew up here in Los Angeles, a lot of wealth, a lot of, you know, very on the outside. Um, And I always was, like, wanting something deeper and not finding it and not knowing how to find it within myself. So, of course, I couldn't connect with it and find it in other people. So... Um, when I went to college, I, I like, I failed out my first semester, um, and that was so shameful for me, because, again, my identity had become my academic performance, and, like, I went to college starving myself, because I was like, it's gonna be different, I'm gonna have a new identity, like, I'm gonna not be, like, the nerdy girl, um, the nerdy stoner girl, (laughs) that was, like, my, my identity, um, and 
it didn't work. I didn't have other coping skills. Starving yourself is like not a coping skill, right? It's just like the other side of the disease. And again, like I wasn't underweight, so I don't think I'm a good enough anorexic, but I'm starving myself, you know? Like I'm eating such a small amount of food and working out for three hours a day. Like that is not functional. Um, it's not sustainable. So I failed out my first semester and I would continue on through this cycle of either getting straight A's and working out for three hours a day and starving myself and along the way I picked up bulimia um, or I was like binging which would get worse and worse. It got worse and worse and like failing out of school. Like I did not have a middle ground of operation. It was I was doing everything quote unquote perfectly or I wasn't doing it at all. Um, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but like I have that mechanism of perfection or nothing in me from the get-go. When I, my dad was teaching me how to ride a bike, the first time I got on the bike, I couldn't ride the bike. I was like, I am not riding the bike. Because for me, it's like if I can't do it really well right away, it is too vulnerable, it is too shameful, I just don't want to do it at all. Um, and again, that is not a functional way to go through life. Like humans are supposed to make mistakes. If you listen to almost anyone who's a top of their field, they say like you have to fail to get better. You have to fail to know what, what works. Um, and I could not accept failure. And my solution to failing, failing out of school, was to sedate my consciousness into oblivion with insane quantities of food. Um, and again, like, that was the best I could do. So I went through life like that. Um, what, like 18, I came in here at 23, you know? that That's what I did for, for five years. It just got worse and worse. And like I said, I picked up bulimia. I was dating um, someone from my high school who was, like, very toxic for me. And... Um, you know, my weight was all over the place. I was gaining and losing at least 20 to 40 pounds every year. And um, when I initially started throwing up, this boyfriend said to me that, like, he was mad at me. He was like, what are you doing? This is not okay. And then I gained 40 pounds, and he said to me, I never should have discouraged you from throwing up. And I was with that man for, like, four years. Um, and, and that was, like, the messaging that I was getting both from inside and outside, um, that, like, my weight defined me, that, like, I had to do basically whatever I could to be in the body that was acceptable. Um, and in this city, what I find, like, most people to feel is ideal or acceptable probably is anorexia, very honestly. And um, that's very sad for me, for myself, for the people growing up in this culture, just like how much importance we put on the outside when like the only thing that makes is actually going to make you like happy is on the inside and like we're not taught that you know and I don't know it, it just there's something like very very wrong to me in that so finally um, in 2013 almost 10 years ago I had failed out of my elite private school on the East Coast twice was back in LA living with my parents and I was going to fail out of community college now and they I, I told them finally before I actually failed out that time what was happening and they are both therapists they've worked at treatment centers um, and they said to me like you need to go to OA and 
my options were to go to OA or to move out of their house, pay for my own college, support myself, which I had no idea how to do, you know. Honestly, like, I still don't know how to do that. But, <laughs> I'm not kidding. But, um, like, the, the sad thing is, and the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of this disease is such that, like, when I was given that option, I considered moving out of their house, living in my car, trying to find a minimum wage job so that I could keep going with my disease because I had no idea how to function otherwise. Um, by the grace of God, like, that I didn't understand or even believe in or have a conception of at that time, like, I went to OA. And my first meeting was, like, the Friday night Forbes meeting, and I'm pretty sure, sh- not, not Forbes, cottage meeting. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, like, I binged after I left, but I kept coming back. And, like, that is the only thing I've done perfectly for 10 years is that I've kept coming back. Um, and for me, like, I hit my bottom in the program. I didn't fail out of community college, but I, I went to a four-year university a few months after joining OA, and once I was there, I was living alone. Well, I was living in a house with other people, but I wasn't with my family anymore, and I was in a completely new place, and I just had no idea how to cope with life. And, like, again, like, unwanted, unloved, and alone. Like, that was my baseline of how I felt about myself, of how I thought other people felt about me, um, and... I, like, I wanted to be thin so badly. I wanted to be getting straight A's so badly, and my brain was in such a haze from the throwing up and the binging and the starving and the over-exercising. Like, I couldn't excel in school anymore, Um, and I, like, didn't know how to form human relationships. Like, the big book says that just, like, was not part of my makeup, Um, and I just started binging in a way that I had never binged before. I isolated myself. I literally, like, drew the drapes in my room, turned on a loud fan so that no one could tell I was in the room else that lived in the house, like, basically turned night into day and day into night, stopped answering my telephone, and just binged. And Um, I thought, like, when I had an exam that I would be able to stop and just, like, study so I could take the exam, and then I found out I couldn't do that either. And it was so demoralizing that, like, here I am again. How many times have I said, I'm not going to do this again, and I'm doing it again? Um, And I gained, like, 50 pounds in a month and a half. And that is some hardcore eating. Like, I am a 5'2 woman. You know, like, I I don't even, it was, like I said, probably, like, 10,000 calories every single day. I wasn't throwing up anymore. I will say, I, well, I had, um, I lost the ability to starve myself, which I thought was when I was doing well. Um, and I had stopped throwing up because I had started throwing up blood when I would make myself throw up. And that really scared me, um, And I know it is a gift that that scared me enough to get me to stop at that point because I I have sponsored people in these rooms where, like, their electrolytes are off, they're in danger of having a heart attack, and they cannot stop throwing up. Um, You know, this disease is progressive, and it is fatal. And so for me, like, what that bottom looked like was I didn't want to live anymore. I just didn't want to live because who wants to live when your entire life is binging and you can't show up for anything? You're um, you're literally isolating yourself. You're rejecting all the love that could be in your life. You don't know how to like take it in. You 
you just feel like a receptacle for food and the food's not working anymore. So now I'm like smoking weed and the weed is not working anymore every day and it's just not working, but I don't have any other ideas of what to do. Um, Again, by the grace of God, like I had come to OA at that point. Uh, And I just, I called my therapist and, you know, at that point I, I was probably like, like I said, I was 50 pounds heavier than when I had come in not that early, not that much longer, uh, or like previously. And I called my therapist and I had been ignoring her calls too. And like not showing up to our sessions. I just couldn't show up at all. And she said, you have two options. Like you can go back to OA. It'd been about a month and a half since I had been to a meeting, which I don't consider like that. I stopped going to OA at that point, but, um, or you can go to treatment. She was like, you're not going to like treatment. It's going to be a bunch of anorexics, you know, and that's not what you're struggling with right now, but you can go. And I I didn't want to do that because I was so ashamed of my weight gain. I was so ashamed of my body. I felt so bad about myself. And, like, I went back to an OA meeting. Um, And I was living in Long Beach, and, like, there were just all these, you know, like, middle-aged women who just took me in. And, um, like it's, I, everything is so hazy then, but my first sponsor, um, there said to me, she's like, you were so angry. You were so angry. And I don't remember being angry. I didn't feel like I was angry. Um, but I guess I was, and I was so confused. And I, I guess like just, I felt like the world had dropped me, you know, that life had let me down. Um, Like, I remember being a kid and being so happy and so joyful, and then what happened, you know? I was, like, discarded. That's what it felt like by life. I couldn't, like, blame anyone else. It just felt like that. Um, And, yeah, so I just, I started going to meetings, and I, I had dug myself into a pretty deep bottom, but I was able to climb out of it, and... I just, like, threw myself into life, and that was, for me, like, I really do suggest that when you're new, just throw yourself into whatever there is to throw yourself into life, because you need something to do besides the food, besides the exercise, besides obsessing over what you're not eating if you're starving, like, all those things, Um, and that worked for me, and then, like, I got really, really sick, and I have spent... The majority of my time in program, not well physically. Um, And that was really hard. And after I got sick, um, the last time I threw up, my cousin um, had drowned very, you know, in like a freak kayaking accident. And I'm, I had I made myself throw up that day, and I hadn't thrown up for, like, over a year at that point. But I obviously, like, I'd been binging and, um, and like, starving, but I didn't think I was. Like, an egg is not a breakfast, you guys. Just for anyone who's curious, that's not a breakfast. But that was my breakfast when I thought I was not starving. Um, and what I just realized at that point was that, like, I could not show up in life and feel good about myself and and honor her memory if I kept doing things that made me hate myself, if I kept doing things that took me out of life. And I really, like, used my connection to her 
as part of like a higher power. And um, and at that point, I was still living in Long Beach, and the the recovery there just wasn't really working for me. And I came up here to meetings, and I met like Veronica, who was my sponsor when I got abstinent. Um, and man, did I not want to come up to these meetings from Long Beach. And I did not want to do what Veronica told me to do. I was like pissed. I'm like, I just want to stay where I am and just da, da, da. And my therapist was like, just do it. Just do it for right now. Um, and I did, you know. And I just took direction. I stopped. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you can talk to her. But I feel like <laughs> I tried to stop being as, like, defiant and know-it-all-ish because I am that way. You can ask my boyfriend. <laughs> I still am, but a lot less. I, I am teachable today because of this program. And, like, I know what I don't know. And, um, and I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought I knew everything when I came in, you know. Um, but the 12 steps changed my life, you know. And I... I I've worked the steps like a number of times in this program and picked up multiple other programs along the way. Um, and like I said, I, I was very unwell for a long time. And sometimes like all I could do in a day was come to a meeting. Um, and as someone who like, you know, was a, a high achiever when I was functional, it was very, very challenging to like not really be able to do anything. But what I now understand, like, in the last year, my health has started to improve and, and improved quite a bit. Um, and what I now understand that's been so hard and so humbling is that, like, my obsession and basically, like, the way I coped with life went from, thank you, managing and controlling my food to, like, managing and controlling and obsessing over my health situation, um, which, you know, like... I felt like I had to, it felt life or death, but, um, that's where, like, my addictive stuff went for a large part, and so in the last year, um, as my health has improved, it's been like, oh my god, like, what do, how do I live now? I don't, I, you guys, I don't know how to be, like, a functional adult human, because I, physically could not for so long and it is so humbling to be 33 years old and like not really know how to do that and then the other thing that I really had to come to terms with was that I had been put on a very restrictive food plan to support my health which did support my health but once my health started improving I felt starving and I didn't know what to do I'm like I've been eating this way for so many years like I don't I tried eating more that didn't work like, I was just, like, I, so I started working with outside help, but, um, I had to come to terms with the fact that, like, I had been practicing kind of, like, a light version of anorexia, like, in the rooms and in recovery, and I was borderline underweight and sometimes underweight, um, and in a lot of denial that, like, that was okay. When I was first on that food plan, I lost so much weight, like, my hair started falling out, I stopped getting my period, um, I remember sitting on these chairs. Well, they weren't cushioned at that point. <laughs> they were plastic chairs. And I remember sitting on these chairs, you guys, and it hurt my butt because it was so bony. And I liked that. Like, that is sick, you know? And I was, like, in recovery. Like, I, as what I understand, like I said, it's all part of a recovery process now. Like, I have my bottom line. But, like, I generally didn't know what – I didn't understand, you know, that side of my disease in that way. 
And then in the last year, like, I, I felt starving, you know, and I didn't know how to eat differently. And I started struggling with overeating. And I'm, what I understand now is, like, why did I not, quote, unquote, say I was struggling when I was, like, underweight, but then, like, I'm not underweight, and now, like, I'm struggling. I was struggling with anorexia, you know, like, it, what, it didn't look like what it looked like pre-recovery because I was eating. I was eating three meals a day. I wasn't starving all day long. I wasn't eating an egg or egg whites for breakfast. But, like, I don't know why what I, what I was doing I thought was okay. It, it didn't sustain a healthy body. Um, but I didn't have a healthy body. Uh, so in the last year, my entire life has changed, basically. Like, I have decided to change careers I am in a, a new relationship, not so new anymore, but I, I, got, I got into a new relationship. I moved across the city, which is basically like moving to a new city. I like living on my own for the first time, um, you know, like trying to learn how to be a functional adult in recovery on my own for the first time. Um, my health changing was, like, huge. Me having to change my food and my relationship to my program was huge. And it's that's why, like, when I said I felt really vulnerable and really uncomfortable, it's because, like, everything has changed. And I don't – the thing that's been the hardest is that most of these changes are really good things, and they've been so hard for me. Like, I don't know how to handle good change either. Um, because the, the safety and the smallness of my life when I'm ill and can't do that much, like, that's what felt familiar. That's what felt comfortable. That's what I knew. And it's not like that now, and I don't know it. And, like, I'm trying to, like, go back to what doesn't work, just like with the food. We try and go back to what doesn't work because it feels safe, and it feels small, and it feels comfortable. And, like, stepping into a bigger life is vulnerable. Like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's coming. Um... And then just this year, like, my partner and I decided to move in together, and that week we both came down with that horrible cold that lasts a month, and, like, you feel like you're dying at the same time within hours of each other. My back went out. My dog was in the ER. Like, just, it felt like life blew up that week. Um, and for me, it's, like, really what recovery looks like is like what does it look like when life feels so out of control and messy and like you're still showing up to the best of your ability you're still like making your calls and then talking to like one of my sponsee sisters who's been in this fellowship for many decades and she's always like Vita like you know I think you're always calling me saying like what's not going well in your life and what I'm hearing is you have so many problems in areas that didn't exist in your life before. You know, that, that idea of, like, I have problems in places where I didn't have areas. That is what recovery looks like. And, and it just, like, I get to keep growing through that, like, with this incredible higher power that I've gotten to um, form a relationship with through the 12 Steps. And I get to, like, show up imperfectly when when doing that feels like the worst thing that I could do, like the last thing I want to do. I, I still want to show up perfectly or I just want to hide. Like, I still have that scared little girl inside of me that, like, wants all the cash and prizes and love and validation or I feel like I'm screwing everything up and I just don't want to do it. Um, and... 
for me, like gaining weight in program and like not knowing what my like body really where it's supposed to be and and trying to be an acceptance through that and um, really being open. You know, my sponsor says to me, Vita, like, I know you're not always happy with your food now, but it looks like so much recovery to me that you are. And the thing is, like, now I, um, I, I'm not afraid of eating foods because of, like, how they might affect my weight, which I was a year ago when my food was much more restrictive. So it's, like, giving me freedom that I don't know that I would have been able to get to another way, but it's not my path. Like, I'm not in control. And the only piece that I get to experience is, like, if I am to the best of my ability, like, turning all of that, my life, my food, my body, my relationships, work, family, anything, over to a higher power. And I guess the last thing I'll say um, is that my relationships have dramatically transformed being in these rooms. Like, I'm still learning how to have healthy relationships, but my, my relationship with my family was really, really strained. Like, my early 20s, like my dad hit me and my mom slapped me and they had never done that when I was a kid because I was so out of control and so angry and in like such horrible behavior. I don't really fault them for that. I mean, it's not, obviously it's not great, but like I was an adult and acting insane. And um, yesterday my mom said to me like, I have never loved anyone the way that I've loved you. Um, And that's like a miracle, you know? So I am just like so grateful for the the life that I've been able to receive in these rooms and grow through in these rooms. And I think, like, if um, nothing else, I just hope that anyone, like, like, again, like I said, struggling or confused or whatever, just, like, to keep coming back because you will, like, find your way through it. You might stumble your way through it. You might fall and then you got to get back up. But, like, you will keep finding your way through it if you keep coming back and you keep sharing with other people and picking up the phone and going to meetings and like being honest and feel like that's all I've done and I get to like stay alive today and I get to want to be alive most of the time and I get to be joyful in being alive a lot of the time and that was completely inaccessible to me before so that's it thank you one question or something Thank you so much. Um, what do you do during your day that brings you contentment, emotional balance, peace? Mm. So the question was, what do I do during my day that brings me contentment, emotional balance, peace? One thing that I has like a newer thing that I do that has been very helpful to me is that I have alarms go off throughout my day. Like I have a morning practice that I do most of the time, but not like perfectly like I did when I was newly in recovery. Sometimes I do it towards the end of the day. Um, but the alarms have like reminders that, I, and they change throughout, you know, throughout time of, they say different things. Like, like one I have right now says, get out of the way. You know, like maybe they say like, let go, let God. Maybe they say like, trust. Maybe they say like, you're taken care of or whatever, like the things that I'm needing to hear at that time. That really helps me because I definitely can, like, do my morning practice and then get into my day and and kind of, like, not take those pauses. And especially when I'm struggling with a particular character defect or something like that, I will put, like, what I need to remind myself in that character defect in those reminders, and that really helps me. Um, 
The other thing is like picking up the phone and answering the phone. Like that gives me a pause in um, kind of just like whether whether it's like with a sponsor or a sponsor or a fellow, like hearing solution, getting back into solution, reminding myself like that I'm turning my life over to a power greater than myself and that, you know, like I'm practicing spiritual principles. Um, though those are two things that like really help me but i also know that like if i don't have a regular spiritual practice that those things don't make as much of a difference if i'm not like grounding in that on a daily basis anyway so i don't know if that answered okay. can do a quick one for the time okay you can i can uh, talk to you after the meeting sounds good thank you